Chapter Five of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. May in Broadland. Humble race of men, a like amphibious by kind nature's hand formed to exist on water and on land from life of a fenman seventeen seventy one the river yare runs its enormous torrent of dull brown waters on a sluggish ebb into the german ocean the streams which focus themselves at Braden a huge backwater two thousand acres in extent are three the yare by some still named the wensum which trails its sinuous stream through norwich and marshland continuing its course to the sea the bure draining north-east norfolk and the waveney that divides the county from its neighbour suffolk these with some smaller tributaries drain some fourteen hundred square miles of country excepting only three or four all the great freshwater lagoons now so well known as the norfolk broads are connected with these rivers they cover nearly five thousand acres the rivers offering nearly two hundred miles of navigable waterways here's el dorado indeed for the yachtsman the naturalist and the tourist and to-day we will reach the broads by water smiling may has burst upon us amid the merry music of birds and clad in a vesture of many tinted greens the hedgerows are bright with the white-scented blossoms of the hawthorn the thorny stems of the dog-rose are adorned with the pale pink petals and festoons of the climbing honeysuckle fill the air with fragrance here the droning bees delight to work and the light-winged butterflies to dance and coquette cowslips dot the meadows but in many places are far outnumbered by the yellow crowfoot which children delight to call the buttercup on the hedge-banks the azure blue flowers of the germanda are conspicuous whilst hard by the milkwort is pushing up its pink blossoms and the humbler red nettle bears them company birds are singing their sweetest love-songs in bush and tree and hedgerow and above them soars the plainest bird of all the blithesome lark but never a one can outdo him at a roundelay a bright and almost cloudless day of clear shining tinges all nature with sunshine our spirits are in harmony with our surroundings on such a day as this we would make our way to the broads it is early yet for yachting but more than one white-winged craft shows its great glistening sails above the lowlands that stretch away north and westwards from the town those dark brown sails which seem to rise out of the very marshes and glide this way and that 
denote the progress of the quaint norfolk wherries along the course of the serpentine bure some friends of ours are about to indulge in a day's outing upon the river and we have accepted their invitation to bear them company as far as they choose to ferry us thence we hope to boat our way across one of the largest of the broads and return by rail behold us bowling along under all canvas the bonny lapwing cleaving her way in gallant style through the rippling waters the steady breeze pressing her onward splendid boats are these norfolk yachts spreading plenty of canvas with tall tapering masts long gaffs and longer bowsprits with plenty of counter very little keel and enormous rudders they are easy to handle and in experienced hands are a thing of beauty and a joy for as long as the breeze holds good but the bends of the river as the stream winds its circuitous course keep the man at the tiller busy for now we have to get upon this tack and then upon the other how bewilderingly the river twisters we seem from time to time to be heading for every point of the compass now we're on our starboard then our port side now beating up to winnard then off we go again spinning along so gaily our great sails bellying to the wind then we tack again the canvas fluttering like the wing of some seabird shaking off the spray until we catch the breeze again and off we go upon the other tack but how jolly and exhilarating what a sense of buoyancy and freedom we feel unfettered for a while from the conventionalities and the restraints of society and of business oh life is a river and man is the boat that over its service is destined to float while joys the cargo so easily stored that he is a fool who takes sorrow aboard we have left the many gabled town behind us the lower reaches of the river are flat and uninteresting the dull level beyond the river banks being relieved here and there only by some grim old pump mill some marshman's low-built homestead or a style of gnarly timbers against which sleek cattle rub their sides and chew the cud the marshes are alive with cattle now we pass a deeply laden wherry with the skipper quant at shoulder shoving her round to catch the breeze whilst the mate who mayhap is the good man's missus is leaning against the tiller on we glide past riverside villages with their windmills and ferries and clumps of trees the monotonously dull flat scenery which they tell us savours so much of that which is dutch from stokesby onward the aspect changes for the better and pretty little nooks and corners that many an artist has reproduced on canvas loom into view 
shooting through acle bridge with lowered mast we hoist sail again and still keep bowling along up the bure till we reach thurn mouth then on again up this tributary past a picturesque half barn half farmhouse upon which a clump of trees cast their shadows and then past womack dyke until we reach potterham where we moor here after a jolly luncheon at the famous hostelry which overlooks the river we bid adieu to our yachting friends who are bent on making again for the bure and sailing still further northwards gliding along over the clear shallow waters margined by the yet short young reeds of the year above which the leafless tottering stems of an older growth are drooping and fast going to decay we make for the open broad splashing noises in amongst them tell us that a shoal of bright finned rudd are not far away from us we are not provided with tackle or we should not be able to resist the temptation to throw them a baited hook we fling in a few breadcrumbs however and after them dash the bold handsome finners rudd love these quiet waters undisturbed as they are by rapid tides where the tall reeds nod above sheltered pools they are sociable fellows with their species mayhap they are seeking a spawning ground for they shed their over in the early springtime a splash hard by as of a huge dog flinging himself into the water is followed by a speedy dispersal of the shoal look didn't you see that long-jawed head of a pike rise above the surface holding between its shark-like teeth one of the luckless fishes with a swirl of his big forked tail he is far below and is off to his snug lair known only to himself to devour his victim at his leisure yonder noah's ark-like structure moored beside the reeded rond is the hut of an eel-catcher in the stern sheets just outside his cabin door sits the occupant munching his noontide meal he is a character in his little way and it will repay us to get winnered of him and edge him into a gossip he wishes us the sailor the day for your native gruff as he may be has a share of inbred politeness our boat glides between some curiously perforated boxes which float round his strange houseboat and crowds her stem into the wall of rushes at the river margin a savoury aroma emanates from the cabin an odour of fried eggs and bacon and bacon it is which lies spread upon the old man's platter a big bit of earthenware has been chipped off it but sufficient space remains to contain the huge slice of what was once part of an aged porker if guessing may be reckoned trustworthy and it is so fat that few besides an eelman's stomach could bear the infliction of digesting it he sits a while in silence with the plate upon his knees 
but keeps on champing with his remaining tooth stumps they are on special duty this morning after a little preamble a desultory conversation is kept up upon birds and fishes such as share the wild watery wastes with him for he has been knowingly reckoning us up with those small grey eyes of his and we find him not only full of information but exceedingly communicative dinner meanwhile comes to an end and leaning over the stern of his vessel he rinses his plate and sundries in the clear waters which float him then tossing off a mug of something that presumably is tea although it looks uncommonly like liquid blacking from long standing in the teapot with half a spout upon it he steps back into the ark and invites us inside for a continuance of our conflab this ain't the sort of shanty you gents are used to but they suits us folks as they're built for up to the knocker i don't suppose you'd find their likes out of the county we look up an old smack's boat bodger up a bit then rig her up with a ruff and surroundings and tars em and there you are bore as nobby a craft as you'll find afloat these ere benches as we're sitting on sarve for bedsteads a sack of sweet mesh hay and a blanket or two to tuck yourself in and i'll swallow my eel pick if you'll want much rockin to find your sleep in this ere strong pure air of broadland you smile at my jim cracks in the shape of furniture well it ain't much as we want bore a mug and a basin or two a teapot a kettle and a frying pan with a knife and fork so we don't need to eat like injuns and what more do you want let me rub my sleeve on that bit o looking glass for it's many a long day as i seed inside it and the smoke and the steam are kind of dullened it we're rough and ready sort of folks you know and living out here a lonesome robinson cruiser kind of life wipes all the polish off us i don't have many wisitors and an old man ain't many fancies and if folk don't like it they ain't obliged to stop not as i means you gentlemen a short clay pipe is found in the deep recesses of one of his waistcoat pockets after much fumbling in its corners it is harder work so it appears to find that with which to load it there is a hungry look in the old man's eye which seems to ask for backer we hand him enough to fill his pipe not once but often the deep old fellow thaws yet more and after incidentally remarking that it's a two-mile row to get a smoke when baggy ha got to low water he resumes his patter what's them holy boxes outside for them's eel trunks you don't need in course to ax me what's my profession of course you don't for half an eye's enough to tell it boyin man like my father afore me eel catchin and a few other oddments has got me my livin these fifty year and more 
and it's a moderate livin at most but i get enough to eat and pay my way keepin the old woman's cupboard at home well filled and what more do a fellow want only to be thankful to our heavenly father as give him the strength and health to appreciate em babbin's mostly my business just now and will be till the summer's over and forgotten and the eels be makin for the sea then we drop eel sets in the river to catch em when they're runnin the eel sets are suffin like a big trawl net with the mouth athwart the river into it the scrigglers swim and down to the poke end they wriggle in course we take good care by means of proper contrivances to puzzle em how to get out again dark wet september nights are the best for this fishin especially if a bit of thunder keeps a rumblin in a good season tons of eels are taken and sent to the london markets them cockneys don't so they tell me on em what's babbin like ball well i'll tell you it's as easy as easy if you only knows how you'll get some wallums as you can any damp night when they turn up on the grass to mardle you'll want a lantern and a tin and you'll want to look lively for they soon pop in again when you want to bab you'll make a bab and this is how you'll do it i might as well show you for i shall be babbin to-night down hinder taking out a tin of lively worms and finding up some thread and a needle he begins impaling each unhappy victim making quite a festoon of them we tried to watch the operation without a shudder he evidently thinks he is putting the worms to very little inconvenience yell them bunch em up like so winding them round his fingers and tie up in a knot fix on your sinker and there you are tie the lot on the end of your line bob it up and down till you feel an eel a chuckin then heave him up gently and drop him in your boat which he'll do when his teeth get disentangled we sometimes catch two or three stun a night sometimes never a eel bore them boxes outside we pop em into where they don't seem very uncomfortable for the tide goes through em cause they're riddled with holes then when we want to sell em there you are you see what about the winter well we go a-pickin for sich eels as a buried theirselves in the mud bore for all don't travel seawards here's an eel-pick eels is rum things lor they're as big a mystery as anything i knows on some say they grows from hoss-hairs some say they've young ends i don't believe neither why i've seen under a magnifier what folks calls the fat of the eel and it's no more nor less than eggs the over as a gent called it don't grow very big till the eels are in the deep seas where they spawn goodness only knows where and where the old uns go after is just as big a wonder 
anyway i've seed little totty eels not bigger nor darnin needles and you can see through em comin up the shallows from the sea in thousands in the springtime much more eel law is dispensed which space forbids to detail as we are leaving the old man in his lonesome hut to step into our boat a kingfisher dashes off the end of an oar which has been lying akimbo and with a startled scream is lost in a bend in the reed bed some tiny scales sparkle upon the blade which we examine more closely the kingfisher unnoticed by us and accustomed perhaps to the eel babber's voice had evidently been fishing from our oar blade here is certainly proof positive that he has had a little fish for dinner some coots that have waxed bold enough to venture out in the open disappear as if by magic and a couple of red-billed moorhens dash off with more precipitancy than caution trailing their feet in the water as they widen the distance between us yonder flies a heron let us row for the far side of the broad but for the sounds of bird life the quietude would become oppressive such strange music is borne on the wings of the wind harsh wild cries jarring notes and the sweeter sounds of birdsong it is the season of love each little songster is vying with its fellows in making cheerful harmony even the rooks in the tall trees yonder seem to think their efforts praiseworthy but they are appropriate to the scenery around as are the harsh notes of the grebes and waterfowl the reed bunting and the sedge warbler and many another of their kindred from oversea are present with us some are flitting in among the branches of the trees which border the mossy swamps that margin the broad others are busy in among the remnant of reed stems seeking a location for safe nesting many are already engrossed with the cares of domestic life we pull round a bend in the interminable reed bed and find ourselves in a quiet corner of the broad it is a veritable little straits connecting this one with another willows are reflecting their pointed leaves in its depths reeds and sedges in its sunny recesses are growing more luxuriantly than in the open broad a rickety footbridge spans the farther end and on it is sitting a hawk-like bird which presently takes to flight its ringing notes betray its identity it is a cuckoo some lapwings pass overhead they are nesting in an adjacent meadow hush do you not see that big brown creature sitting beside a bank on a boulder of grass-spring soil that has broken away from it it is an otter gently just peep at him through these glasses he is busy at dinner that fish he appears enjoying so much is undoubtedly a tench 
the otter knows where good fish and quietude are to be had there now he has spied us and with the slightest effort and without a splash he has dived into the water and will not come up until he has reached his lair in some rush-covered corner house martins and swallows are dashing to and fro as they have been all day long here they appear to be especially busy for many a lace-winged fly is taking its earliest springtime airing and larvae cases floating upon the surface of the water are familiar objects to the lynx-eyed naturalist there is a shoal of small gudgeon they are feasting merrily upon heedless little insects which appear to delight in touching the water in their joyous play gnats and midges are among the number there goes high overhead a swift and another hearken to their wild screaming don't you see that moorhen peering out from behind that willow bowl he has a nest somewhere close by it let us paddle up and see if we can find it the cunning thing has vanished but here is its inartificial nest it is made of reed flags and sedges matter together nine buffish white eggs dotted with red-brown contain the fondest hopes of most attentive parents a faint peepy cry emanates from among them why one egg is chipping and a tiny pair of red mandibles are poking their way into a world of trouble if half of those black downy chicks which will soon be demanding incessant care and attention escape the onslaughts of pike and a host of other enemies they will do well we may not loiter to inspect the swamp where the white swans are nesting if we do we shall not be welcomed by them nor hunt for a great grebe's floating egg basket much that we see and do must remain unknown save by ourselves for our space forbids it we could linger yet but the time has sped and our watchers are pointing well towards train time behold us at eventide in the middle of may sculling in a gun punt up braden making for one of the drains which at low water vein its muddy breast the tide is rising and the flats by the hundred acres are disappearing below the flood here and there the lumps still dry and uncovered are gradually growing less in area strange whistles and call notes are heard as many a long-legged wading bird is ousted from its feeding ground and compelled to seek a drier location for when too deep for walking it must needs swim or flit which latter it prefers to do the spring migration has set in and many a northward-bound bird drops in upon us amongst them the wimbrel knot and dunlin the turnstone grey plover and pygmy curlew and many another these attracted by so fine a feeding ground drop in a while and refresh themselves and proceed upon their journey 
many a rarer bird attired in its springtime best mingles with the commoner herd but close time has thrown its protecting clauses around them and they remain unmolested by the gunner who envies them their jackets the bird stuffer now loses his richest plumage specimens there was no close season until well into the seventies let us draw to the highest of the lumps all else is covered with the water here the birds are making their last stand prior to betaking themselves to the marshes the seashore or still farther away what a medley of notes and what a concourse of birds are before us there runs a turnstone there are six of them at least those mellow call notes denote the presence of several ring plovers and their black gorgets also betray them grey plovers some curlews dunlins and others are also identified what sooty long-winged birds are they which now dropped in at the water's edge they are black terns and the species once nested in broadland and those pearly-backed swallow-like seabirds with them are arctic terns they are tame enough poor things what havoc a gunner might make in their serried ranks day after day till the month is out will such birds be seen if the winds blow fair from the east at any point with westerly winds continuously blowing fewer and fewer birds will put in an appearance he is a lucky man who chance time sees here the beautiful avocet the quainter spoonbill and the lordly stork the day is spent darkness covers all and nothing now denotes the presence of the birds but their weird wild notes End of chapter five